This is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. Hi, everyone. We are back in the studio today for a very special episode featuring Ling Yang, the host of the So This Is What My Why podcast, and who happens to be a very dear friend. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, Ling Yang. Thank you so much for having both of you. <laughs> So Lingya, we've known each other for quite a while now. When I first met you in 2015, I recall you were still a practicing litigation lawyer at an international law firm. We were both practicing at that time. And now, fast forward eight years later, you have left legal practice and you are now a personal branding strategist, a writer, and a podcaster. So, so much has happened and we're definitely going to unpack all of it in this um, fun-full episode, I'm sure. And before we proceed, we need to definitely congratulate you on your incorporation of steamy Sandiran Bohat. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and hearing Janice tell about, you know, how you guys have first got to know each other. I remember that you and I actually crossed paths, I don't know if you remember this, through KL Barbarians, the yes. Dragon Boat team. And this is back in 2015. So it's kind of a full circle moment now that we're all back in the studio together and also reunited by our mutual love for podcasting. So we're very happy to have you here today. Yay, thank you so much. And shout out to Lishi and the team That's who right. brought us all together. <laughs> Another legal group. <laughs> yeah, good times. And thank you to Kale Barbarians as well. So, Lingya, to kick things off for our listeners and our audience who might not know you, what is the, say, 30 second spiel on who Wong Lingya is? Oh my goodness, my elevator pitch. <laughs> 30 seconds. Well, let me think. So, I grew up um, in Borneo, which is very different from West Malaysia. And essentially, I did law and I decided that, well, if I did law, I have to be a lawyer. So, that was essentially it. I was working at an international law firm. Then I realized that actually I don't want to be a litigator. But then I thought, well, do I not want to be a lawyer? That's when I pivoted into an MNC. I was an in-house counsel. And then I realized that, oh, I'm very curious to see what else is out there. But I realized, and you probably can guess, given what we just said earlier, my entire circle was just legal. It was just legal friends, even social work was all legal. And I thought, I don't know anyone else who's not a lawyer and I have no idea what's out there, which is why I started So This My Why podcast. Because I thought, well, there must be other people out there who are doing very interesting things, who love what they are doing, who are very inspiring. And I just want to meet them. And I didn't want to do it in a way where everyone was saying, let's just sit down, have a coffee chat with a friend to see what's out there. Because it felt like everyone was doing it. It was very one-off. It always felt like I had to back that person. What if I could create something of my own that over time would accrue value that I could give back to the audience? Mm-hmm. I will learn to be a builder, build my own brand that was mine, mine alone, and explore and see what else is out there. So that was a genesis. And then somehow from there, three years later, I incorporated a company and I've left law. <laughs> wow, wow. So much to unpack there, guys. But don't worry, we're definitely going to peel the layers of this very, very interesting onion very soon. <laughs> but before we go further, right, something that we definitely want to ask you, and I'm not sure if you've been asked this question, but let's dial back the clock a little bit all the way back to your childhood. Okay. So you've mentioned earlier, right, as a child, you're born and raised in Kuching, East Malaysia. Um, there might be some nuances, right, between growing up in East Malaysia and West Malaysia. But how would you describe yourself as a child? Were you always naturally so, you know, so curious, inquisitive? What were you like? As a child, I was actually really quiet. And it wasn't like I was afraid of people. I just thought I care more about books and I just want to know what's out there. And so for me, I only have time to read and nothing else. Because there was, okay, firstly, there was studies. 
studies would take an entire day. We finish at 4 p.m. morning to 4. And after that, you will always have your tuition, either that or you have music classes. I studied two instruments. And then every other time was me basically writing or building a website or reading. By the time all is said and done, I have no time left, really. So that was essentially me. It was only much later that I realized that actually I should actively put myself out there. Actually, it's very interesting to be a part of something that is not just solely something that I create in my own little room by myself. It's actually quite interesting to see how you went from like introverted, loving yes. to read and write. Um, we know that you've also in the past like written yeah. um, novels and you started a blog at the age of 10, right? How did you go from like introverted to now being like, you know, very, you have to be quite extroverted, I would imagine, as a podcaster, approaching guests. Putting yourself putting out yourself, there. Yeah, that's quite a big like transition from that. I think the big transition came because of my second workplace. Mm-hmm. And it was law, but it was also not just law. I had to do so many things. I had to organize events, including the leadership conference. I had to do the talent management as well. Doing everything where it wasn't a question of, can you put yourself out there? You just have to. That's just mm-hmm. part of the job. Mm-hmm. And along the way, I realized that, oh, I actually really enjoy that. I really enjoy bringing people together. And I realized there was a one, two-year mark where I thought, I feel like I'm a very different person now. So I did the MBTI test and I used to be I 70%. And I knew the moment I was doing the questions that everything that was used to be on the left was all on the right. So the result became 70% E. It was a total switch and it just felt natural and it was a part of me. So I think, yes, at the end of the day, I'm still an introvert. But if you put me myself out there, if I'm hanging out with people, and I really enjoy it. At 10 p.m., 11 p.m., I will still feel incredibly energized and excited to go. Wow. So it really depends on the person. I have, yeah, I've really, really changed from before. Wow. Well, so, you know, you mentioned also that, you know, you practice law for almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it two and a half years initially in uh, private practice and then later around seven or eight years in-house? Mm-hmm. Um, we're curious because we're also fellow ex-lawyers, <laughs> as some of our audience know, who did a career pivot through the MBA. And so for yourself, you know, what has that experience coming from a background with law, how has that really shaped you? And what are some lessons that you've taken away that has brought you to where you are right now? Because presumably back then, you did, you've never envisioned that this is the path that you were currently Def- on. Definitely not. I think... One of it is the fact that you just have to be really good at your research. No matter what, you guys have clearly done your research as well. And that's just a life skill that I think will carry through no matter what you do. I don't know if you have realized it, the kind of research and deep dive that you have to do when preparing cases, for instance, I do that for people to the point where I feel like a very pro stalker. <laughs> yes, yes. And I go, hmm is this right it doesn't feel quite right I know so much and then I'll meet people and I go how do you know this you talk to my mom and I say no you you put it out yourself (laughs) it is it is exactly so there's definitely that I think secondly is the fact that I didn't realize this the fact that you have a legal background grants you instant legitimacy no matter what you do Mm -hmm. a lot of people will come and say I'm willing to work with you because you were a lawyer Mm -hmm. therefore I trust what you are doing And that just opens the doors up to try and work with interesting people. And from there, obviously, you have the first good case study, second, third, fourth. It's so much easier just because of that legal background. It gives you that credibility. Yes. And open up doors of opportunity. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, I think the the coolest thing about that is that, you know, even through um, 
you know, now what you do, it's so different from legal, right? Arguably, because you used to be a litigation lawyer mm-hmm. and a lot of the research that you do have, have to be based on like precedents and have to follow some sort of very structured and, and legitimate sources of reference. But now you're able to be super creative. Do you find that liberating in any way? Very, very liberating. Yeah. It's why I started in the first place because I just thought I did law because I enjoy writing. And I did not envision drafting course papers. It's nothing like the kind of writing I like. That's when I met a friend, Sarah, very long time ago at a leadership um, sort of seminar. And I told her, I really miss writing, writing. And then she said, oh, I happen to be working with this travel group and they're looking for writers. Why don't you write a couple of articles? So that's how it started. Once I realized, oh, I could write and get paid. And it's very interesting, very, very different. Yeah. That means I need to build an online presence. That means I need a website. That means all travels are, travel um, people are always on IG. So I need to learn what IG is. Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to take photos. So what is the one third rule? How do you edit? What do you use to edit? That's how it all started because, oh, I want to write in the way that I used to write before, but I never have. I've always known you as a very like self-starter person. I think one of the first few conversations I had with you and you told me about this travel blog that you you, you write. I think you still have it now, right? It's kind of dead, but it's still, oh, it's still there, but it's kind of dead. Oh, you do have a lot on your plate right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a lot. So, and you talked about how you managed to kind of hack it to get like a thousand oh, yeah. followers yeah. in 40 days. Was that right? Yeah, in 40 days. My goal initially was 30 days, but then it turned out to take 40 days. Yes. Wow. So see, even the seeds of personal branding and like going viral was already like in you somehow. I think it's because I'm a very goal-oriented person. Mm-hmm. I need a goal. It mm-hmm. can't be just, I want to grow on Instagram. That doesn't tell me anything. I have nothing to aim for. You so, need some metrics, that quantitative metrics. Yes, that exactly. Can, and it's okay if you fail, but so long as you have that metrics, it's a lot more manageable, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think this brings us really well into the next question that I have which is the inception of Steamy, right? Mm. You started this podcast in 2020 and that was right in the right smack in the middle of the pandemic. Tell us about how that came about. How did this idea start seeding in your mind and how did you bring that to life? The idea started the year before mm-hmm. where I first learned there was this thing called a podcast. <laughs> and at the time, I first learned about startup world, VC world, and I thought, oh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So obviously everyone's conversation is, oh, you need to build your own thing. Oh, you should start your own podcast because it will bring people in you build credibility and trust and authority along the way you hear enough of these people suddenly the conversation in your head goes from podcast is really interesting i'm learning a lot too i need to start a podcast but then i knew i was going to do everest base camp in march 2020 mm. so if you know that timely you know what was happening then mm. wasn't aware that there was going to be this thing called a pandemic that happened so i thought you know what i'm going to be gone for almost three weeks i might as well start properly after who knew the pandemic hit and I was stuck in Kathmandu. So it took a while, a lot of drama before I finally got home. When I finally got home, I thought, well, I have all these people that I was already pitching to who said yes. There were 15 people who said yes. Wow. And I just never recorded a single one because I was just too hung up on the thought of, but I don't know how to figure the tech out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I spent hours on it. I didn't spend any time on it. It was just the thought of, oh, the tech is really difficult. I don't know how to record on what platform, how to edit, full stop. Mm. So then I came back and I thought, enough, I've waited long enough. I need to launch it. I already have 15 people who said yes. So I just went ahead, reached out to all these people and said, let's book an interview. So I booked it. I remember the first interview was on a Thursday. 
on Tuesday, I thought, interviews on a Thursday, you just figure it out. <laughs> so I sat down and in 10 minutes, I figured it out. Just use Zoom and click record. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that, you know, you just have to start somewhere. Yep. You didn't have to have like a perfect tech setup or like, you know, incredible micro and expensive microphone no. and equipment like this. Um, I think just recognizing that, you know, make use of what you have when you're when you're scrappy and you're starting things up. I think that's the mindset that you really have. To exactly. Have. Lingya, you really scooted over the idea um, of the whole story of, you know, how you were stuck in Kathmandu, but I know that was a whole, you know, 40 days being stranded there. But I think the question I'm really curious to know about is, you said that you had 15 people that said yes to recording a podcast with you, even before you had officially, you know, figured out the tech or had the idea of, so this is my why. There was no name. There was no name back then. <laughs> so what was your pitch to them back then? And how did you get them to say yes to you? I just sent an email. That was it. I just asked. To be honest, I knew only one person, only briefly through a friend who, yeah, who, through a friend that we met when we were at university. The second person I met through a conference and the rest were just cold pitches purely. Yeah. And they just said yes. So, yeah. That must be one heck of a comparison. <laughs> I don't think so. I think most people just don't even bother to ask. That is so true. And I think you have a little story on that note. Yeah, asking, making an ask. Making an ask. Well, there are many, many stories. At the end of the day, when people ask me, how do you get all these interesting guests? The answer is always the same because there is no secret. You just have to ask in the first place. And most people don't ask, therefore they don't get. Yeah. That's also something that my guests say. A good example is Guy Kawasaki. Mm. I think most people would know. And I noticed this guy because he was on Clubhouse all the time in 2020. AMAs every single week. And every single week I would tune in because I knew I was interviewing him and I thought... I really wanted to do a good job. He's done at least 40 podcast episodes. I need to be the best of the best. So I listened in on every single week and I realized every single time he had m and there were always people being brought up to ask a question and he would always share his email. Always. Even his book itself, and he has almost 20 books, he always puts his email there. And I thought, why on earth would you do that? So I asked him, why? Why would you put your email out there? Aren't you scared? And he said, well, no. I mean, every time I put my email out there in m and I would get at most two to three emails. Most people never, ever bothered to ask. So it's entirely manageable. So for me, Guy was one of my first guests. And I just learned that, you know what? You might think this person is very busy. They actually aren't because no one ever bothers to ask. So when you ask, you will stand up because you got it. Wow. It really was as simple as that. And the fact that I think... I think, isn't it counterintuitive? Because when someone puts out the email out there, you think that, oh, everyone's going to flood their inbox. Mm. But it turns out they're just waiting to say yes to someone. And evidently, you know, by you reaching out to Guy and him saying yes, he was one of your 15, first 15 people. He was one of the first 15, but definitely one of the first 50s, maybe 30s, I would say. Mm. But yes, there's that. But I will also have to caution and say not everyone's like that. There are plenty of people who would we say ghosting, oh, ghosting yeah. all the time. I'm familiar with it. Or people would say come back in six months either because they're really busy or they just want to test you to mm-hmm. see whether you are actually serious about it and you are actually still around after six months. I'm sure you've had those <laughs> long lead times where you've constantly followed up and demonstrated your persistence as well. I think, yeah, that's probably why I converted some people. Sometimes it takes one year, two years. I've got a guest that's coming on next week and I... Pray it's happening because we must have rescheduled at least seven, eight times. Wow. <laughs> so I really pray and hope that he comes on and I'm really grateful that he's open to rescheduling. But some of these people, you just have to try and just try and try again. For sure. I think we can, you know, like kind of affirm that as well, right? Being podcasters ourselves and 
having you know send out loads of cold emails all the time and obviously less than half of the people would even respond sometimes just curious is there anything that you have you are doing differently with regards to like making the ask as compared to when you first started like you know no it's always the same i just change the actual content of the email itself so the format is always the same i always introduce myself very quick two lines then i'll say why am i writing you have to be very clear then I'll give all the links as well. I always make sure I mention it was on the Lyric Show, James Corden, because it's social proof. That's very important. And in Tech in Asia, then I would say, these are the things that I kind of want to talk to you about. And that's where you show, I'm serious about this interview. I have done a bit of research, even if you never reply or never say yes. And then I also will give a list of, these are some of the people I've already had. And so that will always change depending on who they are. So if you're a startup person, I will put in all the VCs like Nicole Quinn from Lightspeed or someone like the co-founder of Evernote that everyone would know, Phil Libin, right? And then if someone is more Asian or Singapore-based, then obviously the work salary men or someone that's a lot more aligned to that. So at the end of the day, it's always that. I know there are lots of people, Tim Ferriss himself will always say, short email, maybe two or three lines. I'm the opposite of that. So I'm sure I probably have lost a lot of guests because of it's so short but I've also had plenty of guests who came on and I always ask them as well why did you say yes and they will always highlight different things because you are female and Asian and I want to support you that's very rare but it, it does exist or because you showed you actually did the research in the email you showed that you have very good caliber guests so I can't take any one of those out because I might lose like, one potential guest well you know you run your podcast largely as a one-woman show, mm -hmm. I assume. You might have a little bit of help, um, but for the most of it, you know, it is something that you run solely on your own and we know how much hard work that goes on behind the mm -hmm. scenes. So for all of our audience and listeners out there, you know, do support your local podcasters because, you know, sometimes it really does feel like we're speaking into an abyss and we don't know if anyone's actually really listening or, mm -hmm. you know, that's why things like commenting, editing, um, commenting or... Um, Sharing, sharing. sharing it on social media yeah, that's that's so important it sounds like vanity social metrics but then at the end of the day it really speaks to us because we're like okay someone out there is paying attention yeah and you know besides hosting and producing editing your podcast you also run the steamy newsletter your mm. discord channel and there's just so much going on for you so what was it like as you juggle podcasting especially when you were still working full-time as an in-house lawyer what was that experience like for you? You don't get much sleep. <laughs> I think it's very normal to sleep at 1am, 2am, sometimes 3am. It's really bad and you give up all your weekends. It got really sad because I used to do very different things like dragon boating. Mm -hmm. But then this came in and I would have some people go, so what do you do in your free time? Even now when they ask and I go, um, the podcast. And they'll go, <laughs> anything else? And I would say, um, no. <laughs> it's taken over your life. It's taken over my life. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it is my hobby. It is something I enjoy because it hits all my KPIs. I know even without it, I will always want to meet new people. And I do. I know I always want to be learning and growing and pushing myself. I always do. I know I always want to be building something that's mine and mine alone. I do. I just happen to manage to bring all those personal KPIs into this one thing. So why wouldn't I keep doing it? <laughs> so what kind of help do you get to produce and support you on this so this is my white journey my mom <laughs> shout out to my mom she's very sweet she noticed that I was spending a lot of time doing this and she went so what are you doing exactly can I help in some oh, way yes. yeah and I thought hmm, maybe I could get you to edit and I 
she really took the time to learn. And before you know it, even now, she would just be editing every single episode. She would go, Lingya, this is my list. One, two, three, four, five. Is this correct? Is this the sequence? And sometimes she would come in and she would go, I'm going on leave today. My sister is visiting and I will not do any work for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I would get a message at 1am when I'm already in bed where she's taking a screenshot showing I've edited up to 23 minutes. Wow. And I would say, you're still working? Wow! <laughs> so definitely help in that respect. Really love that like the fact that you are kind of roping in people close <laughs> to you to kind of it's not just to i guess lighten the burden but it's also to get them in mm. on this whole like passion it's more than a passion project now it's kind of dare say like it sounds like it's their calling which you will of course dive into oh my <laughs> but is it also time for us to rope in our moms Oh yeah. yeah! We had this discussion. Yeah, and husband. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Ideas right yeah. now. Yeah, why not? You never know. We're always open, especially yeah, if always. anyone also wants to volunteer to support mm. us. Of course, of course. Yeah, in the midst of you know, of course we 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 know what it was like as well. But I think the difference for us was that we, I guess, when we started our podcast, we were not in our legal careers anymore. Of mm. course still juggling busy you know nine to five but we know firsthand how busy you know legal career could be very consuming have you ever for a moment thought of giving up or saying you know what i'm i'm really tired i need to take a break from this i've definitely skipped weeks but in terms of stopping never no i think it's because as i said it hits all my personal kpis and I just kind of envision at this point in time, ever stopping, I will probably do this for the rest of my life, which sounds really big. But then I feel as though, again, all the things I care about most and makes me me will remain the same. So unless that changes or something really untowards happens, then why wouldn't I keep doing this? It brings me too much good things. <laughs> it really does spark me joy. Yeah. It does, yeah. I mean, even when I'm, I mean, I'm going to Singapore in two weeks' time, and I was just trying to plan and see who I'm meeting, and I realized that I have so many interesting people that I can now reach out to. Mm -hmm. I'm reaching out to Eric, who was former MD of UBS with almost three million LinkedIn Eric followers. Sim. Eric Sim, um, Tanya, who has almost two million TikTok followers. She was working at NASA and Boeing. It's another. I'm hanging out with VCs, with founders. Very, very, very interesting people that I would never, ever have gotten to know if not for the podcast. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm going, I can reach out to them and they would say, sure, of course, let's grab a meal. And I think that is so exciting and so much fun. That's probably also the reason why we started the podcast, right? Because it makes you realize that, you know, in general and in life itself, outside of the, of the podcast, we are very curious individuals. Some people say curious, some people say kipola. But mm -hmm. in other words, you know, we like having conversation and it helps open your mind to realize that, you know, there's so much more beyond law. And I recognize what you say as well. When we were lawyers, I mean, I speak for myself, I I felt like I was super tunnel vision. Everyone that I was hanging around with were all the oh, same Lord. kind of people. But this really expands your worldview, I would say. It really does. And I feel like, oh, okay, I wouldn't stereotype just lawyers, but it's a tendency to always moan and groan mm -hmm. and bitch <laughs> about life. And that was one of the things that kind of pushed me to go, there must be other people out there who don't always speak in this tone and manner about the work and the people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are. They really are. They're just not perhaps in the field that you're in. And I think, you know, it is through your podcast as, as well, So This Is My Wife, where you really get to own, open up this whole new world of, you know, very inspiring people. And I think the, in terms of the description of your podcast, you describe it as 
a podcast that features inspiring people about their journey to discovering and living their why or purpose in life. And you have interviewed, you know, Fang executives, mm. billionaires, Olympians, even James Corden's big boss, yep. Nick Bernstein. So we're curious to know what are, you know, out of the hundreds of episodes you've done so far, what are some central themes or key lessons that you've personally taken away from all of these guests that you've interviewed, if that it was even a way to sort of summarize that? Well, the most important thing is most people even now have no idea what they're doing in their lives. They really don't, even now, success, they don't even think about that. They don't know how to define it really. It's the, how it started for them was, I was just curious about something. I put one into it. I got deeper and deeper. Somehow became known for this. It grew traction and now I'm where I am right now. But I had no idea. It feels organic. It feels like I always knew where I was going. But I really didn't. And it makes sense. Even for me, people look at my journey and go, oh, it seems as though you knew exactly what you were doing. No, I really did not. But now that I've gone through it, I can empathize so much more with why these people say what they do. Curiosity is really, really important. And the fact that, I mean, it, it's important in the sense that it has to be something that is strong enough for you to want to do it until you're 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Mm. No one's forcing you. No one cares. No one even knows. No one's paying you but you're still there doing it, that says something. And that's something that Jacqueline Novogratz, founder of Acumen, she also talked to me about it as well after the interview. It's not captured. And I kind of shared how I was spending up to 1 to 2 a.m. And she said, that's a hint. That's really a hint. And she has met lots of people who know exactly what they're doing, giving back to the world, right? So I think that's definitely one thing. Um, curiosity, being willing to, yeah, take the leap, take the risk. Some people are not risk takers, I would say, but they still always put in the effort to grow and do a lot more than their peers. Eric Sim, for instance, he was the son of a hawker, center per, um, store owner, but then he realized that I cannot be just good at the technical parts. I need to know all the restaurant owners. I need to go there every single week, multiple times, such that when I call them up, they will give me VIP service. They will give me dishes that you can never find on your menu that will impress my clients, which would build my portfolio and bring me to that next level. So it's people like that. Mm. What would you say is maybe one conversation that has helped you really rethink something that you used to, you know, think about quite differently besides the why that you spoke about earlier? Oh, that's difficult. Uh, rethink about what I've done. Well... I don't know, it's such a gradual thing. But I think it's, I would say Lydia Finette. And Lydia Finette, she markets herself as the most powerful woman in the room. She was global head of partnerships at Christie's. So very, very established. And for her, she's so unapologetic in who she is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have to network or die. And I've heard that phrase before, but it's just the way she said it. Network or die, so I'm just going to do it. And the fact that if you follow her on Instagram, you will see that she is traveling from one part of the US to the other three, four times a week, every week. She's probably doing 10 benefits auctions every single week. She'll only get a break after four or five months for one week. And again, she's nonstop and she goes off again. And for her, she would share little stories like, I was at an airport and we were waiting for a bag. I spoke to this person and he broke me in to do the auction the following month. Little things like that. So natural, so unapologetic, so her. And that's why she is who she is today. You know, 
one thing that really struck me, Lingya, listening to your podcast, and you've got 190, however many there is right now. So I can't even say that I've listened to, you know, three quarters of them. But I think the thing that really catches my attention whenever I do tune into them is um, your research skills. And I think that's something that you personally take pride in, especially coming from the legal background, you know, and that's something you spend hours and hours doing, um, even in the past and now through researching other people, aka legal stalking, as you said. Um, and I know that, you know, you also have this kind of mental checklist where you'd be like, you want for someone to say, well, how did you find out this yeah. super obscure information about me? You know, did you speak to my mom, for example? So, you know, what is that, what is that secret to your research skills? You just have to spend enough time on it I would say especially if someone has done a podcast I find that that really gives me insight to who they are and then you listen to at least two at least three of them you very quickly know the questions everyone always asks mm -hmm. and therefore you know the questions no one ever asks because whenever someone gives you an answer there's always going to be a question yeah but what else that one sentence that one word that you use why did you use that mm -hmm. there's a hole that you can go into if you listen to 10 of the podcasts they've done and each time he gives the same story, you know that spill's coming. Okay, how do I go even deeper? Ask the question in between. So at the end of the day, the secret is just do enough work that you know the gaps. So what is your starting point? Do you always start from Google? Do you start from podcasts? Podcasts. Podcast. I find that too, yeah. I think whenever we look up for guests as well, we're always like, what is the podcast that they've done before? What if there are guests who have never done podcasts and you know you are the first podcast that they've been on? Oh, I have had, yes, like the retired four-star general who would sit down and just before the recording, he was speaking to his lieutenant. He was saying, why am I speaking to this girl here? <laughs> am I doing it right? <laughs> it's very sweet. I think they do well because at the end of the day, it's up to us, right? To ask the right questions. And it's obviously up to the editing as well. So if they give you an eight-minute answer, you know no one's going to ever listen, even though it's very interesting. So it's up to us to edit and make them sound great. So we have to steer the conversation. Mm. I like that. So, you know, in, I think, April of this year, so a couple of months back, you know, you announced on LinkedIn, which is basically where you spend most of yes. your waking hours. <laughs> you announced that you're quitting your job as an in-house lawyer. Yep. Finally made that plunge um, in head first into entrepreneurship. So I'm curious to know, what was that inflection point, if you will, um, during your entire time when you were double hacking, when you realized, you know what, I'm ready for this. Can you share with us a little bit more about that? I always knew I wanted a switch. I didn't know what it was or how. That's why I started the podcast. And I knew that I needed some kind of traction. That's an inflection point. And I just didn't say it. Sure, it appeared on Lady Show, James Corden. Sure, some things went viral. But I always needed something more, i.e. the point where people would come and say, let's work together. I will pay for this. So that inflection point came a lot closer at the three-year period, which I actually predicted. People tend to find some kind of traction around that period. So somehow on the right timeline. <laughs> and then I realized that there is an opportunity there. I can see that there is a gap. I think that lots of people are coming. They're wanting help as well. I can offer that help. I have that kind of background. And at the end of the day, it was more a question of, do I have the time to help these people? And I realized that, well... Yes, I actually can create that space if I just quit my job. 
because I have built up enough in terms of reputation, in terms of case studies, and the fact that I was saying no to lots of people just because I didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. So for me, ultimately, it is a risk, but it was also a very calculated risk because I knew all these people were waiting to work with me. And the answer was always just, we wait for you to quit before we can actually work with you because we want you to be dedicated. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, okay, that is the point where I'm ready to go because it's more than just an idea. It's more than just a side project. It has gained traction enough that people are starting to come to me all the time. They're starting to pay already and even more want to pay so long as I quit. So I took it. I'm curious, what was the conversation like with your parents or your oh, family, for example? So easy, actually. Oh, that's great. Because I spoke to them for years and years and years from the start. I was always very unhappy with law and they could see that I tried my best because I spent 10 years on this thing. You can't say that I haven't given law a shot. And I've never changed my tune in terms of the fact that it just didn't feel like the right fit. And I could have been working very hard. They knew the hours. I could see it, even though they don't live with me anymore. And they just thought, well, you know what? Clearly you've given law a shot. Clearly you work really, really hard. Clearly you're gaining traction. You already have clients. You're not going to bum around <laughs> after you quit. So do what you want to do with your life and we will support you 100%. And I think that just you know unquestioning support has really really helped me to take that leap as well because I know no matter what happens my family will always be there to support me and back me what are some you know because and and this is a really important topic because a large part of our audience demographic are people I would say after having conversations with them are people that might be in a career that they've done for a very long time and in our case quite a lot of people who are in the legal sphere right and a lot of them, they know that, you know, it's not something that they feel they want to do for the rest of their lives. But because of like, you know, things like sunk cost policy. Yes, and yes. Comfort and yep. just familiarity. Yeah. It's very hard for them to break out of that. And it, essentially, it's a mindset situation as well, right? Have you ever had thoughts on, you know, sunk cost policy thoughts? And if you did, what were some mindset shifts that you had to just help yourself get over that? Because as you've mentioned, 10 years is a long time. You've studied, um, you know, spent many years studying law as well. Yeah. And that is one of the expertise. That mm. you have, so. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I couldn't let go. Because I thought I've been in this field for so long. Am I really going to let go? But then I thought, look at all my bosses. I don't want to be you. <laughs> so that's, that's a very clear indicator. Yeah, it's all. pretty clear. I mean, I'm going to put all this effort to be a person I know I do not want to be. That's just crazy. So the question then became, well, what else is out there that's really, really scary? So what I've realized really, really helped and changed that mindset for me, because I always thought there's law and just nothing but law, was podcasts. Because with podcasts, you hear stories. And it's just so simple. I will hear stories of, say, Christina Tosi, who's building a bakery in New York. I have zero interest in baking. I'm not in New York. But it was just her enthusiasm, her joy in finding what she liked. And then you listen to more and more stories of people who at the end of the day are just like you and me. Nothing special about them. They clearly didn't know anything. You hear some of the mistakes they make and you go, how could you make them? It's so obvious that you shouldn't do that. But they made it and they still succeeded in some form or manner. So for me, at some point, I heard enough stories that I thought, if they could do it, surely I can do it. Surely I'm, just because I'm in Malaysia doesn't mean it will hold me back. There's no way that will hold me back. There is that point. And then secondly, it was the realization that Everyone just had to start from somewhere. So just start really, really small in a way that will fit your schedule. Even if it's something as simple as, I'm going to take half an hour to do up a little nice photo, 
write a caption and post it. But no matter what, I will show up every single day for a month with something new. And then from there, once you do that enough, the habit is built in, but you also start to gain little bits of traction. And you have to learn to take joy in the traction and not go, I'm so sad I didn't get a thousand likes and go viral. Like, you know, don't expect that, but take joy in the little successes and it will help you. Doing, I think that brings to mind James Clear's, right? One mm. percent every day. You don't have to, you know, launch a newsletter tomorrow itself or start a podcast from scratch. But it's just making time, taking tiny actions yeah. that kind of take you out of the comfort zone and nearer to that next thing. Yeah. That you feel like you're meant to do. Yeah, the key is more sustainable. Mm. Just make it sustainable. So that's the only thing I would say that's most important. You can do it once a month if that fits you, but it better be once a month for at least a year. Mm. Because that is the key. As opposed to, say, if you were to launch your podcast and you want to do once a month, it's better to release it in that way as opposed to, I'm going to release 12 in two weeks and you'll never hear from me again one year. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether you've had a lot of these conversations, but like I realized for Janice and myself, a lot of people come up to us and ask us questions around, oh, how did you start your podcast? Or, you know, um, and the premise behind it that I always share about is, Everyone can start a podcast. In my personal opinion, it's a very low barrier to entry. Yeah. Right? You don't need to be a signed, you know, artist, whatever, on a label. You know, you literally pick up a mic, record your episode, and then upload it onto your distribution platform. But that being said, it's also recognizing that while everyone can start a podcast, not everyone will do it yep. because of the amount of time, effort, energy, and like just recognizing that it's a long-term game. Yep. There's sustainability that needs to be top of mind. And you don't just want to show up for that one-off period and then kind of, you know, people forget about you. But it's about showing consist showing up consistently. And for yourself, that's really stand true as you're showing up every day on LinkedIn. Yeah. And before we talk about LinkedIn, I want to give a shout out to you guys because I was just drafting a post about this very topic oh, no. on the way that will be released on LinkedIn at some point. But essentially, it was the thought of my reflections on the fact that, yeah, lots of people do come to me wanting to start a podcast. Both of you came as well. You're the only one who actually did it. Out of the many, 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 many conversations of, oh, I really want to start a podcast. I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I have this idea of a studio. Only a second person has just launched today. But you are the first oh, wow. who actually oh, did it. You really That's are. Cool. You really, really are. And then you've gone to the next level. You've done your own hangout. I saw it was like 40, 50 people. So impressive. I mean, you've brought it to a level that I've always wished that everyone would do. So I'm so, so proud of you guys. Well done. Thank you, Lingya, <laughs> because you really led the way for us. And I remember you first um, exposed us to the world of Descript. Oh, yes. Life-changing. Life <laughs> yeah, I know. We would. So fun fact also, like Janice and myself, uh, when we were students back at Asia School of Business, we ran the ASB podcast. And back then was a couple of years ago in 2017 when Descript did not exist. Yeah. So we were literally, I had to teach Janice and I had to learn it myself how to edit, looking at the sound waves. Is it Ophonics? Absolutely horrendous. It's horrible. And um, the interface was so It was ancient. so painful. And now oh, the fact that, you know, well, Lingya, you introduced us to Descript. It was absolutely game-changing for yes. all podcasters. So thank you for saying that. We really Welcome. Yeah. You know, you led the way. And for us, it's a lot of learning curve for, 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 from us as we learn from you as well. Oh, thank you. I mean, I think I just gave some guidance. Descript is life-changing, but the execution is the thing that really sets everyone apart. Yeah. And I think I've realized that whenever it's people and they still do send DMs going, can you give me guidance on how to start a podcast? I tend to say no anymore because I feel like 
podcast is something where you really, really need to give your all. Yeah. And so if it's just, a, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, I can almost guarantee you will never start a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a very different conversation if a person says, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I have these specific questions. I'm curious to know how you actually execute. Yeah. That shows the person actually intends to do it. And yes, I will take that conversation because mm-hmm. otherwise I feel like everything else you can easily find on Google. Absolutely. There's so yeah. much information. It's better as well. You can watch them do it, yeah. right? Yeah. As opposed to listen to me. So that's my thought. And that was my draft of a LinkedIn post that you <laughs> perfectly captured. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Stay tuned you. for that. Stay for that. Well, look, out, look out very closely on Minya's <laughs> LinkedIn for that. Well, here's a question on LinkedIn, um, okay. which I'm not sure if you've thought about it. What would happen if, or have you ever experienced um, LinkedIn burnout? Not really, which kind of surprises me. Um, I guess it's because I'm just used to showing up every day. There was a person who asked me that, how do you remain consistent all the time, firstly with the podcast and now with LinkedIn? Nothing has a lot to do with music because I grew up with music. You have to show up. You have to practice, for me, two instruments every single day, no matter what, two hours, three hours, no matter what. So for me, it was just a deadline. Today is a new day. I have to post something. So post it, then get on with your life. It's not a question. There are definitely days where I go, I just don't feel like it. And when I was on holiday, I would go, let's give myself some grace. I don't need to kill myself. I don't think anyone would notice if I didn't post anything. And true enough, no one ever has. It's a lot, it's more a matter of pride to be able to then say, I have never missed a single day as opposed to, oh, people will really notice and really question. It's not really that. And I think what really is really helpful, and you probably have realized as well, is that we run a podcast. There is so much content out there. All you have to do is just take a snippet, one minute, two minutes. This is a one hour interview. That is, you know, at least eight to 10 posts. Exactly. And then you can always reuse. You can always combine and say, I learned from these five guests. Oh, these five guests said the same thing. That's already easily a couple posts there. So yeah, we have a really good advantage, which is we just use content from other people and some really smart, but actually it's all from them. <laughs> No, but I, I have to say that that is something I really admire about you. Mm. I think the fact that you are able to even create very impactful posts from mm. not even just, you know, guests that you have, but just everyday observations or your own learnings from the, the things that you're going through, from you quitting, from you having now your year of yes. All these things that you are able to just distill into very relatable and yeah, pieces of content that people can definitely engage easily with. So which brings me to my next question. Obviously, we can't have Linya on this podcast without touching on the topic of personal branding. And, you know, to many, that might be a word that brings them a little bit of ick yep. somehow. Yep. But we'd love to get your thoughts on personal mm. branding. Why do you think that's so important? For me, at the end of the day, I realized that I'm the kind of person where I don't want to be begging other people. I don't want to knock on doors and say that, oh, I've left, I quit my job, or I was retrenched, or I resigned, or I've retired, and... There is nothing out there for me. I have to submit hundreds of VC, I mean, hundreds of CVs. I have to back HR. I have to go through multiple layers. Isn't it so much better if HR came to me? Isn't it so much better if I was headhunted for jobs overseas, not just locally as well? Isn't it so much better if I was invited on panels and given opportunities to do very interesting things that you can never apply for or even imagine if you just do it yourself? I mean, I cannot... The, the simple logic is this. No one, you cannot expect people to know that you exist, what you're good at, what you're interested in, if you don't tell people that in the first place. Mm. I'm sure there are lots of people who are lawyers who want to pivot. Maybe they want to start their own cafe. 
And you would sit there and think, I wish I knew someone else who'd done it. I wish I knew someone else who was interested, who might be a co-founder. You can't sit there and wish. You need to put it out there. And for me, I don't like the idea of thinking, I wish someone else would put it out there and then I can latch onto that, hopefully, if I see it and work together. No, I want to take charge. I want to be the one saying, I want to do this and I hope to draw you in. So that was my realization, the fact that I want to be in the driver's seat of my own life and I want to have opportunities that no one else can, no one can apply for because I've put myself out there first. So that's really the idea. Mm, I love it. I mean, you have succinctly said it yourself, right? No one is immune for building a personal brand. Mm. So that is a chance for you to create your own narrative and to yep. open opportunities by your own accord and you know, rather than to sit passively and wait for doors to come knocking on you. Yeah. So, you know, with your track record, you have a really good track record. I just saw a post that you shared um, on IG yesterday showing some results that oh, yeah. you for your personal branding clients. You yourself, you have had like viral posts with over 5 million views. Crazy stats like that. What are some personal branding, um, you know, sort of engagement tips mm. that you can share with our audience out there who might be compelled to want to start, you know, putting themselves out there to give personal branding a more serious thought? What are some advice or tips you can share with them? So the first question I always ask when people come to me is, why? Why are you doing this? There are some people who actually don't have to do it. So if you are working, for instance, in a sovereign wealth fund and all your clients are very discreet, they do not want you out there. You cannot be out there. So you have to be very clear why you're doing this. And if you're an artist, for instance, your clients are probably not going to be on LinkedIn. So don't focus on that. Focus on something else. So you have to be very, very clear why. So some of the whys is all of my potential clients are there. I want to find a new job. That makes sense because all the HR is there. All the founders are there. You want to be on LinkedIn. Okay, great. You're very clear. Second point is, so to what extent do I want to put myself out there? Bearing in mind that the personal story is the one that resonates the most. And it's what Asians have the biggest issue with, which I find is quite a shame because think about it in this way. Do you care more about a company or do you care about the person? Do you remember the person's story more or they are accompanying what they are doing and how they are changing the world with all their normal corporate speak that you will find in an annual report. You'll always find the person. So you have to be ex willing to accept the fact that you need to kind of put yourself out there, but be clear on where the line is drawn. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would never talk directly about my parents. I would mention my mom, mention my dad. You're not going to hear their full name. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hear exactly where they live or what exactly they do. Very, very clear line that is drawn. Even for steamy hangouts, I will never put the venue on a public platform. I will put it out only when you've actually gone into the private group where it's a more controlled environment. So it's little things like that. And then once you have those kind of ideas, then it's going to, okay, what are the content pillars? So if I want to attract more, say, if I'm a director and I want to attract more people who are very good applicants to come and join my team, that means I need to showcase who I am as a leader. Why is it like working with me? What are we actually doing? Do you get to meet, go to conferences? Why? What are you learning? What are you doing? How are you changing what it's like internally? So it's little things like that you have to be very clear. And then at the end of the day, you just start writing. And the writing is really just, again, like talking to a friend. So I had a friend reach out yesterday and she said that your writing is almost like your WhatsApp to me. Because it really is supposed to be like a friend. You're supposed to listen to it and feel like, oh, I'm talking to a person and it's not like some PR agency is sitting behind it and trying to craft something that's really posh that everyone is doing. I want to care about who you are as though I know you. So that's always the goal. Just be human at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds 
it sounds very simple, but yeah. I, I realize there is a craft to the way you kind of are able to articulate a message mm. that is powerful, meaningful, and at the same time, short and succinct. Like engaging, it makes you want to read click the read more button yeah. I'm so thankful you say that because often I write and I go do people even care I mean this is so simple not really it's memorable yeah actually. yeah not as what I mean mm. is that it, you might think it's simple but you know you take it for granted that everyone can write like that as well mm, yeah thank you <laughs> well on that note as we are running out of time I know we have lots of questions more from um you know, that we'll love to speak to Lingya about. Let's do a very quick and fun rapid fire because I'm sure that, like us, we've got curious questions about Lingya and we'd love to know more about you. We'll start with a question I'm sure you get all the time, but I think we're also very curious. What is your all-time favourite podcast? I knew that was coming! <laughs> we got start predictable. Was it a podcast or like podcast? Other people's podcasts? Or? So let's start with someone else's podcast and then we'll get into your episode. Ah, can I give two? Okay, <laughs> right, go for it. So I like to one of it's the all in um this weekend startups podcast by Jason Calacanis. So he's a Silicon Valley angel investor. I just really enjoy it because I think it's very interesting to hear his perspective. He knows all the big guys, Brian Chesky on his speed dial. So when big events happen in the US, he can bring these people on and have a conversation with them. And what's great is because he has been in the industry and has had so much success. His own opinions are very, very interesting. So it's a two-way thing. It's not just, let's interview you. It's, let's interview you. But wait, I'm going to challenge you on this because that's not my experience. And he's so established that they will have an actual, you know, con constructive conversation. That's one. The second that I like is My First Million, which is also very, very interesting as well. Two entrepreneurs coming together. It's kind of bro-ish, I would say. But I think what I like is the fact that they are very insightful and interesting and unapologetic in who they are and again it's all startup related it's all building businesses sometimes they will come and have a conversation say hey what kind of interesting crazy businesses have you found oh my god this guy was a teenager and he built this 10 million dollar company in his backyard in two years who is this guy and it's just interesting to hear things like that and go yeah it is in the u.s but it's just different mm -hmm. and that difference could be all you need to spark an idea of your own well said. What is your personal favorite episode that you've recorded? And I know podcasters and hosts of should never have favorites, but put it out there, Lingya. What is your favorite? Okay, I will give a favorite. Um, unfortunately, he's passed away, Adrian Tan. I would say he was the president of Singapore's Law Society. He stood out because he was just so relatable. I mean, at the time, he was, you know, battling cancer, which he sadly has lost recently. And I was struck by the fact that even though he was so established, he's talk about LinkedIn influence, every single post he wrote went viral, thousands, hundreds of thousands of views. It would make it easily onto the headlines of the Straits time. That's how influential he was. But beyond that, it was the fact that even though he was clearly in demand, everyone loved him. He gave me more than two hours of his time. He was open, to, very open to being very open, very vulnerable, very relatable. Little things like, and my mom loved his episode as well because he, one of his stories was, when I was young, I grew up in this flat and the TV that belonged to my family belonged to the whole floor. 
because I had to show it to the window. All my neighbors would gather outside and they would insist that you turn the TV on and they would watch it and they would be giving comments and going, oh my God, why are they doing this? <laughs> so I was like, can you not turn the TV away? And he said, no way, no, you have to turn it back. For them, it's not for us, it's for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's little things like that, right? And the fact that at the end of the day, he, he was saying how when I became the president of Singapore Law Society and then found out he had cancer, he was determined to continue serving that capacity, to continue fighting for his clients, fighting cancer, and just that no, no giving up spirit was just really incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Dream guest to interview. Oh, that you're dying to bring on. Trevor Noah. Oh, <laughs> right? Yes. Good book to read and um, excellent guest to interview. And what an amazing headline, Born a Crime. Yeah. So good. Yeah. The book is amazing. Yes. It's so well written. And I think the best part of it for me was that you can hear it in his voice. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think for me, what really stood out was I would watch his show sometimes when he's used to run the shows and there's always the in-between scenes. And that for me really, I felt, showcased his personality. They can take an everyday event that happened just last week and make it sound so funny and engaging and relatable and memorable. And I'll sit there and go, how do you make your life sound so interesting? <laughs> it's an art. And the ability to do that and be insightful on the spot just shows just how interesting a person he is. And if you could sit down with him, have a full conversation, oh my goodness. Wow, I will be out of my debt, but I'll be thrilled. <laughs> We're manifesting that for you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Nice. Hit Lingya up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After you hit Lingya up, hit us up. As yeah, well. of course. <laughs> All right, next question. Um, podcast boo boo that might have happened while on the show. Oh my gosh. Yes, sure I know exactly. Yes, I had this interview with a person. Shout out to Vincent Wei. And we did an interview for three hours. And at the end, the file was corrupted. Oh and I was like, God. oh my goodness, for three hours. And at the time, I didn't have a Zoom Pro account. Yeah. And I went, I swear I'm going to get a Zoom Pro account because then you can record it on cloud and it would never, ever happen again. So I reached out to Vincent and I said, I'm so sorry, this three-hour thing, it's not working. Oh can we do it again? And he gave me another three hours. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> Six hours. Bless him. Yeah, bless him. Bless him for sure. I was very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but we all have, we, we have all had that. Um, podcast boo-boo yeah. very memorable what was, out, what was yours? <laughs> what was ours? we almost thought we, lo we we missed the file I think mm. yeah and I think that's okay thankfully Sadhguru we've not had instances where the whole episode goes missing yeah. but we've had ones with really really bad like audio, audio and we only realised it at the end and with any sort of tech the highest tech sort of fixing even for paid ones you just can't get rid of it yeah. So we have a few with like weird buzzing noises, yeah. weird smacking noises. Yeah. Just, and yeah. and I think, yeah, there are a couple of times like we always make sure we both hit record, but there are some times where like she thought I hit record, I thought she hit record, oh, we no. both didn't hit record. <laughs> but, but Zoom, Zoom, Zoom Pro. Thank God. Zoom Pro. Back on cloud somewhere, and that's why it's important that people like are fit here, right? In person. <laughs> okay. All right. Favorite way to decompress? Oh gosh, that's such an interesting question. Sleep? I would say, or meeting people or doing something that's really interesting and different. Like what? Well, it could be something like hiking or it could be something like going to a concert or some kind of festival, just something that's different yeah, or right. travel. Golden advice you would give to aspiring podcasters and I spoke about that a little bit. Just start, don't talk about it. Yeah, just, just get started somewhere. Yeah. 
And um, the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, I haven't really received bad advice. I think it's because everyone's been really encouraging. <laughs> so I don't really have bad ones. I mean, I don't have people going, you will never make it. I guess not really, to be honest. I'm so disappointed I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> well, what about a memorable failure that you want to share with us? Oh, a memorable failure? Gosh, I never think about these things. <laughs> memorable failure. Uh, gosh, memorable failure. I guess it's it's not really a failure, to be honest. It's just a reflection of the fact that, well, as I'm doing my own business and still drafting contracts, it's realizing as you work with different clients that, oh, there are certain things I never took into account that I actually need to put in as a term. And you only learn this along the way as well, obviously. But it's just, I guess, a realization that it's so interesting to be on the other side because I was always drafting on the side of the company. So obviously very one-sided, right? And then when I try and flip it on the other side, I don't think about certain things or I realize that, for instance, before I would always get consultants to always give their indemnities. And now on the other side, I go, no way. I would never sign my indemnity away. So it's little things like that, I would say. All right. So now if you were to ask you, and I'm sure all of our audience are curious about this too, what is your why? Now, what would you say? I haven't found it yet. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. fair. Yeah. It is true. And it's recognizing also that you have learned so much through all the interviews that you've gone through with other people. And the red thread seemed to be that, you know, it's okay that you might not have found your why, that elusive why, but it's okay as long as you know still have bias to action and you still, yes. I love you that still bias to action. have curiosity. Mm -hmm. That's right. And the final question that we always ask our guests right when we wrap up is, what is the one thing you recently explored that has surprised you? Yes, I knew that was coming. I saw that coming. I was like, yeah, at first I was like, aren't you supposed to open with that question? <laughs> I think one of the things I've recently been exploring is just deep diving into LinkedIn again. Because I think there's a point I realized where I was executing too much to the point where I wasn't doing deep dives the way I did when I first started this whole journey. So exploring is really just exploring different profiles of different people in different industries and going, so how did you build yourself to be the quote-unquote thought leader in this way? Because at the end of the day, when people are content creators, everything is figureoutable, everything is reverse engineerable. You just have to spend the time, go through the archives, read every single thing, and you can figure it out. So for me, it's just exploring how these people have done it in that way. And you seem to be having a great time of fun doing it. Yeah. So we love that so much. And once again, we just want to thank you, Lingya, for coming on our podcast today and for sharing your inspiring journey with us. And we hope this conversation um, encourages all of you out there who, you know, who are wondering and thinking about doing something scary to just say yes to it, even if it's really, really scary at this time. So thank you once again, Lingya, and we just appreciate your time on this podcast so much. And any final words to our audience on that note? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really proud. I can't believe it has grown. Explore has grown to <laughs> such an extent. I mean, so impressed again. And I can't wait to see you on big shows as well. <laughs> we'll see you there too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you once Thank again, Lingya. Thank you. If you stuck around to the end of this episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us. 
And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We would love to hear from you. So you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A-C-T-S-P-L-O-R-E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every alternate Mondays at 8pm. See you then!